He keeps trying it, but I have to hear what he thinks till finally he tries them all. And he goes, that water was sparkling. And I was like, well, yes, yes, it's a it's a sparkling water. And he goes, oh, I hate sparkling water. I wish you had told me. Hi there, fellow foodies, snacker heads, and taste buds. Welcome to Snacktopia, a podcast by Taste Base, where we dive deep into the snacks that you enjoy, possibly even now as you're listening. I'm Matt, and I'm here with my co-host, Alex. Hey, everyone. And we will be chatting with founders of snack food companies about their culinary creativity. Ready? Let's get snacking. You drink it every single day. You need it to stay alive. Water is a commodity. Even sparkling water is a commodity. Yet this founder took it upon himself to create an artisanal sparkling water with flavors that no one would ever think of doing. Now, where did this wild idea get him, you might ask? Shark Tank. Yes. Shark Tank with Mark Cuban, Robert Hershevac, and Laurie Grenier. They actually closed the deal with Robert himself, valuing their business, Ourobora, at $1.3 million. Let's hear what makes this beverage so different. Sure. My name is Paul Vogie. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Ourobora Sparkling Water. We make craft sparkling water from herbs, fruits, and flowers. We have flavors you're probably not used to having in sparkling water. We have a cactus rose, a basil berry, a lavender cucumber flavor. So definitely different from your standard off-the-block citrus offerings from, say, Polar, LaCroix, Waterloo, etc. Uh, second, we use ingredients you're probably not used to seeing in your standard sparkling water. So uh, most of those drinks have citric acid. Uh, we do not use citric acid because we think it just makes for a better taste experience. We have really strong aromas because we use herbal extracts to flavor the drinks. As you can imagine, some of these flavors are seemingly extreme and out of the ordinary. Now we're talking peppermint watermelon, cactus rose, and lavender cucumber. However, there have been some great reactions to these flavors. Here's a little story. There was, I, I want to say, a woman who was probably like 40 with her father that had to be like 70 or 75. And she tasted it first, and she's like well within our target demo, and she's like, oh my gosh, I love this cactus rose flavor. This I love lavender in general, so I knew I would like lavender cucumber. And she's going, you know, kind of rave reviews, rave reviews. Until finally, she's like spoken positively enough about it that her father, like, he was clearly a little skeptical. You know, what is this bright colored can? I don't know about these ingredients. I'll give it a whirl. So he reaches out, grabs the first flavor cup, and they're each about a half ounce. So you can kind of knock them back in one sip, knocks back the first one, grimaces. And... I was like, oh, looks like he didn't like that one. He didn't know, he didn't say anything. He refused to answer me. He then knocks back the second one. Same thing, grimaces. Third one, grimaces. Fourth one, grimaces. Fifth one, grimaces. And I'm just, I'm, I'm laughing at this point, wondering like, he keeps trying it, but I have to hear what he thinks till finally he tries them all. And he goes, that water was sparkling. And I was like, well, yes, yes, it's a, it's a sparkling water. And he goes, oh, I hate sparkling water. I wish you had told me. <laughs> And I was, I was just thinking, didn't you taste it was sparkling after the first one? Like maybe he thought the first one was sparkling, but the next four were flat, but each and every time. And then right as he was leaving, he was like, interesting flavors though. So all that to say, your quick answer is yes. We have seen, you know, dozens of great reactions, dozens of poor reactions and dozens of reactions that just kind of defy logic and don't make a lot of sense. But it's definitely the best way to get consumer feedback is to put some cups in front of people and watch their facial reactions. Now, if you've ever seen a can of Ourobora on your shelf, you would know that the artwork is just as whimsical and sparkly as the flavors of water itself. The brand drives their ethos through and through all the way down to the packaging. This is why Paul chose to make his cans look like this. 
forgive me for using this word again, but yeah, sparkling water is a commodity and that's reflected in a lot of sparkling water's branding of, you know, private label is the most popular sparkling water in the world. Uh, and that's like restaurants using their private label sparkling water, grocery stores having private label sparkling water. And as the name suggests, they know like we're just putting this liquid in a can, drink it how you'd like. We knew, okay, we're using more expensive ingredients, differentiated flavors. We want this can to be as wild and whimsical as the ingredients therein. So thank you for using that adjective. And that was the, you know, we're kind of using the best of the earth's bounty, you know, lavender and cucumber and basil and peppermint. How do we celebrate the planet we live on in this way? And our thought was, okay, what if this is just a, this is a crazy other world experience where, you know, a strawberry can be the size of an Escalade and you can canoe with a cucumber and just this almost surreal experience. Cause our hope is yes, we're using real herbs in every can. Hopefully you have a surreal taste. Uh, so that's a longer way of saying why we did it, how we did it is I married really well. So my, my wife, Maddie and our co-founder, um, she is a creative director. So by trade, a copywriter, and then as a recently more so a designer, she had most of these initial ideas for color aesthetic and you know, what, how we could, uh, bring these flavors to life. And we chose an awesome design partner. It's a boutique agency in Boulder, Colorado called Moxie Sozo, which fortunately we had both had a professional experience working with them in the past. And it was, I don't know, maybe 15, 20 iterations of going back and forth and Maddie sketching something and sending it and then them sketching something and sending it until we had what felt like this matches, like this matches what you're tasting in the can. This matches what we're saying about the product. So that was the idea. From the get-go, that's the brand we wanted to create. You know, uh, I'll go back to the, I'll go to Jenny's or you can use Ben and Jerry's probably even earlier than Jenny's of like, I don't think Ben and Jerry's ever made a chocolate or a strawberry or a vanilla. That's not because those can't be great flavors. It was just that, hey, there's there's a company for those that want more normal flavors. And there's now an ice cream company for those people that want kind of out there flavors. Similarly, if you're looking for just normal sparkling water flavors or normal sparkling water without flavors, there are plenty of choices for you. Honestly, a, a laughable number of choices. We wanted to be unique in that, hey, if you are specifically looking for a cut above, more sophisticated, more of an epicurious palette, if that describes you and you're looking for that sort of flavor, then we wanted you to look nowhere else. So that was that was the idea behind the flavor choices. These flavors have definitely gone through many rounds of iterations to get them perfected. You know, we forced our friends and family to drink at first very disgusting products and then slowly got more and more tolerable until it kind of passed the bell curve of being tolerable to delicious and they wanted more of it. And that was probably like a six month process. Um, I bet I'm thinking of one night in particular, we probably had like 20 friends over and it was like probably 10 friends. And we asked everyone to bring a couple of people we didn't know to make it more fair. And all of this was written down and I didn't read it till I left the room so we could be as unbiased as possible. But we had like 12 flavors and the five that we launched with were the five favorite of that group of 20 people by a huge margin. There was definitely a lot of like great flavors left on the cutting room floor. Uh, but yeah, ultimately it's the consumer that's going to pull it off the shelf. So some of my favorites, some of my favorite flavors didn't make it. Some of them did. Uh, but I think such is life. I will say there is a, a birch flavor that I still love and some, sometimes I I think about it fondly just in my mind because obviously it's, we haven't made it yet. Uh, unfortunately, the feedback from that group and I kind of like double verified it with a bunch of other groups to make sure. I think it's just a little too close. Like Birch is almost like a cousin of root beer. So it felt like people were thinking, hey, I don't 
I'm not sure that I want this particular palate experience while I'm drinking sparkling water. Like this just doesn't match. For me, I loved it. I also love root beer. So maybe it was a fair description, but for other people, they thought it wasn't uh, as universally liked. Even some mistakes were made. It's part of the belly of the beast when launching a new product in the CPG space. I've got one that was uh, like a definite mistake that I look back now and laugh, but at the time it wasn't funny. Um, so we're based in San Francisco. So a lot of our early stores were here in the Bay Area. And for a few months, I was just delivering it myself. And then we kind of graduated to a very local distributor. Uh, and one of those early stores is a grocery store out on the west, west side of San Francisco called Other Avenues. It's a co-op. And at this time, I was still getting the emails from our website. And I, of course, was reading them immediately faster than any email you could possibly read to get people's early reactions. I bet we were in 40 stores at this point. And I got this email from a consumer saying, hey, I, uh, I bought your peppermint watermelon flavor, but it tasted like lemongrass coconut. Like you have, you know, you have a mistake. And not to mention, I'm allergic to coconut. And now I'm super concerned. Okay. So of course my heart drops in a number of ways. Like one, oh my gosh, is it possible that during our production run that the wrong liquid went in the wrong cans, which would be devastating. You know, we'd have to recall the, it was only 40 stores. So I could probably recall it myself in like two or three days, but still a massive amount of work. So I immediately, I was in a zoom call. I ran out, jumped in the car, drove about 20 minutes to that grocery store and pulled a bunch of cans off the shelf. Meanwhile, as I'm doing that, I'm having uh, my wife, Maddie, like email back to this person like, hey, so sorry to hear that. Do you still have the can? Can you take a picture of the bottom of it so we can figure out which production run it's from? And I immediately like my heart is like, OK, we're fine. Like this, this is both. We got the email back. The production run number was fine. I tried like 15 cans on that same shelf of that same grocery store. And this consumer, just like no offense to her, just doesn't have well-aligned taste buds is probably the nice way of saying it. So we email back like, hey, you know, I don't know how to tell you this, but um, no, like what you were tasting was indeed, <laughs> you, you were tasting peppermint watermelon. We're sorry that you thought it was lemongrass coconut, but it wasn't. And if, it, it probably wasn't the best consumer reaction. She got angry at us for, she thought, oh, you're lying. You're trying to, you know, cover yourself, et cetera. But it was just an amazing 40 minutes of panic. As I was driving across town, all I could think was, Tomorrow is going to be the worst day ever as I pull all these cans from the shelf. Um, so fortunately, that didn't happen. But all that to say, starting any business, like you're just going to have 100 tiny heart attacks. And that was one of them. To start, I, I just had a bunch, uh, a bunch of boxes in my brother's garage. And then we graduated to a tiny little storage unit. And then we graduated to a tiny little third-party logistics facility, uh, actually in Treasure Island here in San Francisco. Until finally, we got like a big warehouse. Um, and this is great for a few reasons. One, for online orders. Yes, they're fulfilling the orders. But for wholesale orders, trucks are showing up. They're no longer buying 10 cases at a time. Some of these distributors are buying, you know, 100, 200, 1,000 cases at a time. And someone can actually load the pallets onto the truck and send it off to the distributor. So we got word that one of our production runs, this is probably our third or fourth, one of our flavors I'm, I'm so thankful that I no longer remember which one because this used to haunt me. One of our flavors, the some of the cans were leaking. Like it just the the when you screw on the top of a can, like it has to be perfectly flush, and there's like a process to that. It was just slightly off grade enough that the liquid couldn't escape, but the carbonation could escape. So when you get the can, it'd be squishy, and when you open it, it would be you know not, no longer sparkling. Yeah. So unfortunately for me, I live in California. This this facility was in Colorado, so I. Flew to Colorado, 
I was trying to figure out, man, I guess I have to go through each and every palette and tape and try each and every can and then retape all the boxes. Cause fortunately you don't have to open the can. You can just squeeze the can and feel carbonation. So I pull up and I, I don't know what this is going to be like. Cause I've actually never been there. I, I organized all of this, you know, via zoom or phone call. And I get to, uh, if you've seen Silicon Valley, there's an awesome scene where the uh, chief of staff to the person that's supposed to be kind of Peter Thiel gets loaded onto a cargo ship and sent across the South Pacific. Um, Jared. Yes, Jared, he, thank he you. Had, he all, had such a tough life. Yes, all, all by robots. Okay, similarly, I get to this facility. There's a great picture we have now. We're like, I'm in my tiny little Kia rental car and I'm just surrounded by semi-trucks at this loading dock. And I go up there and I'm like, hey, sorry, my brand is like one of the you know 10,000 brands here. <laughs> I need these nine pallets taken down to the floor. And I bet I spent, I don't know, 13, 14 hours at that place. Like I got there at seven in the morning and I was there until they kicked me out late, late at night, opening up each and every box with a box cutter, checking all the cans, retaping the box, rebuilding the pallet. And fortunately they had an awesome staff that was okay moving the pallets around for me all day. That was another one of just a tiny heart attack of, gosh, is there some simple scalable way of saving this inventory? No, just some human being with a box cutter needs to do it. And I am the, you know, human being that would do it for free. So I guess I'm just doing it. So at the beginning, there are so many examples of that, of just ridiculous, ridiculous days where you think, I think I started this business because I wanted people to enjoy sparkling water the way I do. But now I'm 14 hours into like using a box cutter and a, a forklift. And it's not exactly what I had in mind, but still fun. Honestly, I think the name is just as exciting as the flavor. So you want to chat about that? We knew that we were using kind of these slightly hippie ingredients. And obviously I'm here in Northern California uh, where that's not an unusual thing, but we, we wanted, what is a word that kind of connotes a hippie earth centric lifestyle? We love the word, we love the word aura for that reason. And of course we couldn't trademark the word aura. I was reading a book on marketing at the time about rhyming um, and how powerful rhyming is in your memory. And anytime you have a new product, you know, people are going to try it once and then they aren't, they probably aren't going to be able to find it for many, many months, because they, unless they go back to that same grocery store. Uh, so we wanted people to remember it. So we liked the word Bora, rhymed with Aura Bora. My wife, who is a designer, loved that it was two four-letter words that could make a square. We loved that Aurora Borealis was a phrase people knew. So Aura Bora kind of like felt like a real word. And then of course, there was a tongue-in-cheek aspect of water companies often use like rivers or islands or valleys or mountains to name themselves. And, you know, Bora Bora is an island, so it kind of sounds like a water company. So that's that's kind of the quick explanation if we we wanted people to feel like they had heard of it before. And for all the listeners out there, you know that we have to ask this question to end the podcast with it. We always ask if you could share this with someone who would it be and why. This is what Paul said. Yeah, I'll keep it Bay Area local like Alice Waters. One, obviously her last name is Waters, but two, she's like a hero in that she's done such amazing things with uh, ingredients you probably know from another medium in, at her restaurants. So, or restaurants slash cookbooks of taking the commonplace, like you know what berry and basil are, but you probably haven't had them in a sparkling water. So I think she'd just be a, a great person to get to know, period. Um, and yeah, hopefully she liked her sparkling waters. A special thank you for our guest who came on the show to speak with us podcast was written and hosted by Matt Membrino and Alex Shabar, edited by Matt Membrino, produced by Matt Membrino, and artwork by Emily Herr. Please be sure to visit www.tastebase.com for all your snacking needs.